We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how we doing? We've uh, we've had one of those technology nights here tonight uh, at the back end of the show, so we are running a little bit behind, and we apologize for that. Jesse Styers, Sean Styers, how are you tonight, Jess? I am good now that we are up and running. You know, it's <laughs> that's all that really matters. You know, everyone got to chat a little bit, get settled in. So I look at it as a positive. No negatives on this Thursday. That's right. Everyone in the chat has just been doing their own thing, patiently waiting. Uh, and, and, and Brian J. Irish is probably right. We, we, you know, we will have to probably work at least 15 minutes longer by the time it's all said and done. And I don't even have all the, uh, the, uh, the, the official branding. Boom. There we go. All ready to go. My goodness. That was. That was a trip on the back end there. Well, welcome to the show. We are ready. We've got Notre Dame and North Carolina coming up this Saturday, of course. And now I've got Driscoll calling me. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'll, uh, can you still hear me, Jess? Uh, hopefully he didn't knock me off. <laughs> no, I can still hear you. I think all all things are up and running at, on full cylinders right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Well, I'll tell you what. First, some things for Marcus Freeman's press conference today. Um, I I wanted to mention, he did a Zoom conference on Thursday. And I I think a few noteworthy things worth talking about. One, he says they're not going to rest during the bye week. He says it's, you know, it's only been four weeks and, you know, they've got to work on getting better. So they're not going to take any time off. They're going to practice at least four times during the uh, the bye week. What do you think about that for starters, Jess? Uh, you know, that doesn't sound out of the ordinary. You know, when I played it, even, even on bye weeks, um, granted, obviously, you know, it's not quite to the same level. It's not Notre Dame. But, you know, we would only get off maybe that Friday and Saturday just because obviously Saturday there's no game. But, you know, that week was still treated like a game week, except there was no game. So um, there's nothing wrong with it, especially for the reasons that he highlighted um, with the fact that, you know, they've struggled. They have things that they need to work on. They're starting again with a new quarterback. Um, and there's just a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. And, you know, a bye week can really help those things, especially kind of this early in the season. It's nice that they have it this early in the season so they can really get prepared for the back half of their schedule, which is going to be much tougher than the, the front half of the schedule. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea 
as well because again it's only been a month there's no sense taking a bunch of time off it's not like you're in the middle of fall break like it seems like you know the bye has been timed out for the last few years so you just just keep on trucking do your thing and and keep practicing and getting better because as we've seen from the on-field product so far we know they need to keep up working on getting better uh, another topic that came up, Steve Angeli, who as of right now is the number two quarterback since Drew Pine was elevated to number one. Here's a quote from Steve Angeli because Marcus Freeman was was asked basically what his confidence is in Steve Angeli and if he's confident that he's going to be able to put him in there if his number is called, if something were to happen to uh to drew pine quote i don't think you're going to ask steve angeli to run every single play that you're asking drew pine to run it takes time to learn the entire package the entire offensive system but guess what steve angeli if he's presented with the opportunity has to go in there and execute and he has to go in there and be able to do what we need our quarterbacks to do and so we have to meet him halfway we've got to be able to ask steve angeli to do the things that we know he can do but it also has to be enough that you're not running one play. End quote from Marcus Freeman. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to is it's always next man up. Even if you're second string, third string, fourth string, you're expected to prepare just like the starter every week um, and be ready for when your number is called. There's, there's really no other way around it. And, and sometimes it sucks because as the third string, you're not going to get a whole lot of – or now, you know – at the beginning second of the season, string. he was the third string, second yeah. string. Now you're just not going to get nearly as many reps. You're not, you know, you're not getting the attention of the coaching during the practice. There's just obviously not, you're not getting the, you know, the, the, the treatment that the number one, the starter is going to be getting, but you have to prepare like you're the starter at the same time. So, you know, to me, being a backup is really all is harder for that reason. Cause you have to stay into the game the whole time. You have to make sure you know, that you're staying concentrated and you have to be ready just in case your number is called. You have to prepare like you're the starter, but then go sit, you know, majority of the game on the sideline. So it, it it does get a little hard for that reason, because you have to stay, you know, so focused at the same time, um, but not really getting that action that's going to keep you, you know, focused, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And Craig asks, who's backing up Angeli? That would be <laughs> one Ron Paulus the third. You know, that so those are your three Chris Tyree is probably the third string. <laughs> he might be at this point. Who knows? But uh, you know, technically, yes, it is, as uh, Austin Schomburg says, RP three, Ron Paulus the third. I yeah, I, I do find it interesting though, because we keep having this discussion about Tobias Merriweather and how much he does or doesn't know and some of these other younger players and how much they do or don't know. And they talk, you know, they talk about, well, you know, got to be able to basically, you know, th there has to be trust and all that kind of stuff. Well, they're saying now, obviously, we're talking about an emergency situation, but they're basically saying Steve Angeli's got to be ready to go to some extent because. As Marcus, what Marcus Freeman said today is there is no other option. There aren't a lot of options right now at wide receiver. And the guys they have run out there have done their jobs to some extent. But it's a wide receiver room that is lacking right now. So if Steve Angeli can be thrust into that situation when he doesn't know the entire offense, why can't a talented young freshman wide receiver like Tobias what Merriweather – 
you know, not get a few more plays and essentially just what Marcus Freeman was saying, play to his strengths, do what he can do. Don't ask him to do what he's not able to do. And, you know, I, I think that he can, I think that he can help this offense. I think a lot of people think that he can help this offense, especially considering how the rest of the receivers have re, have performed to this point. Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a thousand. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off. Try it out today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. There's no reason that you're, you know, your most athletic guys, your most, uh, you know, some of the intangible things that you can't really teach, size, athleticism, speed, agility, things that separate Merriweather from the rest of, you know, the wide receivers on the roster. Um, there's no reason for him, a guy like that, to be on the field, you know, to some extent. He needs to be seeing at least five to ten you know, you'd like to see him get five targets a game, be on the field for 10 to 20 offensive snaps, you know, maybe even more than that, 20 to 25. Um, he needs to be mixed in in that in that in that fashion. And it, it's especially it's a it's especially apparent at the college level. You know, this isn't the NFL where it's a lot of scheme and, you know, there is scheme, but 
NFL, everyone is so talented that scheme is what's going to get you open. That's what's going to make plays. At the college level, there's still a gap where, you know, athleticism, speed, overall ability can get you by, um, especially someone like Merriweather who's younger and might not, you know, be 100% up on the playbook or, you know, knowing, you know, especially where to be in certain formations. Um, so if you can really dumb it down and get him into the game on simple packages, simple routes for him to run, there's no reason not to because look what happened last week when they just kind of force-fed Tyree. They got their best when their best players the ball in space and just let him do his thing. And I don't think that, you know, Merriweather can't be treated the same way. He, he can get his touches in open space and make plays, and that's just using his pure athleticism. All right. Uh, on the decommitment today, Brian Driscoll was just letting me know that that will be discussed tomorrow. That's obviously recruiting is not our thing. Me, Jesse, Vince, you know, that is more in the Ryan and Brian realm. So, you know, you can look at the premium boards. Obviously, I'm sure that there is some intel up there and they will discuss on tomorrow's show as well. But uh, Ryan is not what we were going to try to have Ryan on this show just to talk about it real quick. He is not home, though, right now. So that will be uh, covered tomorrow. Uh, one other thing Marcus Freeman brought up today or not brought up. He was asked about today the uh, the Drew Prine, Tommy Reese viral moment from uh, the, from the game <laughs> last week. The do your bleeping job moment. Quote, that's an intense moment that we had to try to find a way to get Drew to snap out and to be able to perform at the level we expect. Again, you don't treat every player the same in terms of how you coach them. You treat them in terms of what will help them respond in a right way. And for that moment, that's what Drew needed. And Drew will be the first one to tell you that. I hope people understand that that is a reflection of the relationship they have and plenty of other coaches have with their players is that, hey, they know it's not personal because of the relationship we have. There's a trust issue. If you don't trust your coaches and all of a sudden he's screaming at you to do your job, then all of a sudden you know what? That's not going to get the results that you want, okay? But if you have a strong relationship with the guys in your room and they trust you those mo in those moments, that are intense are never personal. End quote from Marcus Freeman on do your effing job. I, you know, Vince and I talked about this earlier this week, Jet. You know, he did, you know, Marcus Freeman did say, hey, maybe we have to watch the language and, and all that stuff. I don't even know about that. You know, again, if you're going to clutch your pearls, walk down the hallways of any high school in America. It's not like Drew Pine has never heard the F word before. You know, it's not like anyone on that team. They're all, you know, young adults. They're not children. It's not like they've never heard that word before. And as Marcus Freeman said, it wasn't personal. Drew Pine needed something to get him out of the funk that he was in. And ultimately, he came out of it. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, to me, there's real no, <laughs> there's really no reason that he should have been asked about it and, and have to address it, you know, especially now that it's Thursday and things are more focused on, North Carolina, and if it came up earlier in the week, I might I be. I was surprised it didn't come up Monday, to be honest, if someone was going to ask about it. But, I, you know, so I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's just it, – it, it, these these are college kids. They've all heard it before. They, Drew Pine probably said it 
two minutes before when he fumbled that snap. You know, it's just <laughs> that's right. It, there's, it, there's a coach shouldn't have to explain how you know unless unless there's just like some serious degrading going on where it's just like you know personal attack. But it was and just are thing. you are you effing kidding me? And that's yeah. He just told him he needed to do his job, and I I just don't think that it's that big of a deal, and that people want to bring it up and talk about it just because it was all over Twitter and got that kind of recognition. But I'm going to tell you what, if you think that's bad, you should go to practice um, and watch someone blow an assignment. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I go, we, go over to go over to the offensive line group and, and hang out with Ari Eastan. Right. Bit. And watch, watch a lineman blow a block and see what he says after that. And it's just similar. You know, I I'm really surprised someone like <laughs> Maris who kept over, you know, if, if, if when I was playing in college, if I did what Maris uh, did, Leofau yeah. did multiple times in the same game, I don't think I'd be able to just like walk anymore. Just the things that was said <laughs> on, you know, some of the smallest things. It's just that's the very last thing that I think people should have to worry about. There's far more things that are said at practice, but obviously no one sees practice with the players and coaches. So I'm I'm OK with whatever said, as long as you're not personally degrading someone, yeah. you know, in the moment. That's exactly it. It's it's essentially an F word. It's not an F word directed at the person. Like you said, he he was there was there was nothing degrading about it. And you know, as I've always said, what happens in the course of a game, you know, it's like it's it's fair game, basically. And as long as you're keeping it within those bounds that you're not calling the person an effing idiot, now go do your effing you know, that kind of thing, that that changes things. A little bit, but it, as I said earlier this week, uh, it, it felt like, you know, Drew Pine was out there missing layups left and right. He was bricking his layups, and Tommy Reese had put together this offense that was designed to let him hit some layups, get some confidence early. It wasn't happening, and you know, Tommy Reese has been the guy that everyone's been calling out for the for the first two weeks of the season and i'm sure that he was tired of seeing what he was seeing and and uh, ultimately everything worked out so yeah you know as jacob says i can't believe this is a topic still being discussed at the press conference a coach swearing breaking news yeah nbc is a joke for even putting it on tv and you know that's that you know that's the discussion like if that's your tv partner it, to me that's more the real you know because one you had to be a lip reader to figure it out. Now, most, most, again, most adults it didn't take much to read lips to figure out what he was saying. Like the kids, you know, I don't know, but it's, you know, it's again, you had to read lips to, to, to know the words. It's not like you actually heard the words on TV. But if, if there's a real problem, it's that your TV partner showed this on TV because a coach is, was just coaching, basically, as far as I think most people are concerned. A coach was coaching. And the player was receiving. And ultimately, you know, again, the player has said, I asked to be coach tough. And Tommy Reese coached him tough. And it got the job done when, when all was said and done. Yeah, there's just no real reason to have <laughs> that hot camera in Tommy Reese's face all the time. And especially on a moment like that, you know, it's obviously things are going wrong. It's an intimate moment between coach and player. And you know, Tommy doesn't need to have to worry about, you know, what, what is he going to be seen for? And now if people are going to bring up things that he said at a press conference, it's just, it's too tiresome. Just play football, let the coaches do their jobs, let the players, you know, if Drew Pine really had his feelings hurt, he would have said something, you know, he wants to be coached hard and that's the end of the story. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're going to the game Saturday in Chapel Hill, the North Carolina Athletic Department issued a warning today to beware of counterfeit tickets. And because of this and the interest in the game, which is a sellout Saturday, the uh, North Carolina Department of Athletics encourages fans who purchase tickets to only purchase them through North Carolina authorized sources at this point, uh, which is or which are the Carolina North Carolina Athletics Ticket Office and StubHub. Those are the authorized sources for North Carolina Athletics tickets. If you get tickets from unauthorized sources at this point, you can assume risk and tickets purchased could be counterfeit or the barcodes may have been invalidated. So any fan, they say, attempting to enter Keenan Stadium with counterfeit or invalid barcodes will be denied entry. So beware, if, if you're planning on going to the game Saturday, you haven't got tickets at this point, or maybe probably if you bought them recently, beware, because the game is sold out and uh, they are issuing a warning right now in terms of uh, a lot of counterfeit tickets apparently bouncing around out there. I thought electronic tickets took care of all this. I did too, but maybe maybe not everything is electronic for them. I don't know. Yeah, which would also be kind of weird because that was the whole reason for electronic tickets is to, you know, for important kind of sellout events like this to prevent, you know, some of this, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Counterfeit tickets. Yeah. Jacob chiming in on the Tommy Reese. Driscoll had a great idea. Next game, Tommy just puts a big bottle of water in front of the camera. And I mean, that would solve it. He had to look like he had a couple Powerade, Gatorade bottles, you know, whatever they were sitting there anyway. Just just slide that over and put that in front of that camera. You don't have to worry about any of that <laughs> stuff showing up on TV anymore. Well, Jess, it's going to be a formidable challenge for Notre Dame, specifically for Notre Dame's defense Saturday uh, when they take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is the number four scoring offense in the country, over 51 points a game, number eight pass efficiency offense, number seven and third down conversions at 56%. They're rushing the ball 237 yards a game, throwing for 310 a game. That is a lot of offense, 7.6 yards per play, 72 offensive plays per game. They ran 73 plays last year against Notre Dame. So, you know, that's about on par with what they were doing last year, and they're doing it with a redshirt freshman quarterback, Drake May. So where do you want to start with this matchup on – do you want to start with the defense first on what we need to see, what we think the keys are going to be for slowing down this uh, Tar Heel offense Saturday? Yeah, let's let's go into that first. And I kind of want to say, you know, you, you listed off a lot of good numbers for – uh, North Carolina there, but you know that's that's Florida A and M, Georgia State, and Appalachian State. That's not a real gauntlet of a schedule true. by any means. You know, it's I true. know they're putting up a lot of points and they're scoring with a you know redshirt freshman quarterback. But I'm gonna be honest. I watched the film. I'm not impressed with their offense. It's very vanilla. They they basically run out of the same formation about 90 percent of the game. And to me, it's if if, if Notre Dame could handle. Um, and, and do have success against Ohio State, I really see no reason why that that can't translate over to North Carolina this week. And I really like this matchup. I think that a lot of people expect North Carolina to score a lot of points and sure they'll score points, but it's not going to be at the pace that we saw from them the first three uh, games of the season, at least in my opinion. 
No, I completely agree with that. You know, like May is already thrown for 930 yards and completing 74% of his passes. He personally is number 15 in passing yards in the nation, number six in completion percentage. He's got good running back at a Marion Hampton. They expect Josh Downs, their best wide receiver, back. He played the opener against Florida A&M. He's missed the last couple of games. So start us off. What 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 do you see as your key to being able to, to, to shut these guys down? I think the main key is with a guy like May uh, and watching the film, he's a very young guy. Uh, you know, there's going to be some, a decent amount of nerves cause this is going to be, you know, his true first opponent. Like I said, it, Appalachian state, Florida, A&M and Georgia state, Georgia state aren't going to be a true test to him, I think. And like I was saying also, you know, North Carolina comes out in 11 personnel about 90% of the time. I didn't see any snaps under center is all shotgun. Um, and in their 11 personnel, their running back is always, you know, back there with the quarterback. And their tight end is either split out um, or they're going to have him as a wing, depending on, you know, what they're trying to do. But May, and and I think this uh, is the reason why his completion percentage is so high. It is very quick passes. They want him one, two, three, ball is out. There's a decent amount of RPO schemes. Their their run game works nicely with their pass game because they come out in 11 personnel. And it's essentially the same formation. So at times you don't know if they're going to run the ball. You don't know if they're going to pass the ball. But when they're running the ball, it's not a lot of power scheme. It's not going to be a lot of pulling guards and wings like we saw last week. It's it's a lot of just straight up blocking because they want you to think they want you to be confused. They, they want you to think, is this RPO? You know, is this is this run? Is this pass or is it going to be the RPO? The whole thing, a run pass option. So right. a lot of it is quick routes. And I think that that shows, you know, North Carolina has a lot or sorry, six guys over 100 receiving yards throughout the first three games and three of them are tight ends. We have three, they have three tight ends with all over a hundred receiving yards. And that doesn't even account for Josh Downs, which is their best uh, wide receiver. So may likes to get the ball out quick. It's a lot of 11 personnel. Like I said, Um, a lot of, you know, play action off that run game and just getting the ball out quick. One, two, three ball out. They don't really run a lot of things, you know, concepts over 15, 20 yards. They like to sit in the hole, easy routes, 10 yard routes, you know, ins, outs, curls, hooks, whatever it might be. It's just a lot of short passes, keep the ball moving, high tempo, that kind of situation. So I think for Notre Dame, first and foremost, what they need to do uh, on the secondary end is they need to get up in these guys' face and they need to, you know, they, they can't let these guys get off the line of scrimmage and their safeties need to keep everything in front of them and come downhill fast. They need to play downhill fast. Um, and when those corners get up on those wide receivers, everyone gets uncomfortable because if you're trying to complete a short game, you know, May's going to drop back one, two. Okay, they're, they're on him tight. You know, he's going to have to find something else if you're playing up like that. There's no reason to play off, really force some throws and force May to come off his first look. You know, a lot of these plays are designed where he's take, he's looking at one guy the whole time, not looking at one guy the whole time, but he's looking at who the play is designed for. Um, and he's just hitting it. I didn't see him go through a lot of progressions where he has to come off his first read, has to read the defense, that kind of thing. So like I said, if they can do what they did against Ohio State, secondary needs to combo <laughs> coverage a lot, you know, disguise coverages. That's always hard for uh, a young quarterback. And uh, and then, you know, obviously, the, like I said, the corners need to be up on these wide receivers. They need to make these wide receivers and tight ends fight for everything um, and, and make May – kind of force some some passes into tight windows 
Salty says he can't understand you anymore because you don't have your graphics <laughs> like you had the other day. But it's a good point. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad everyone's <laughs> a fan of the graphics. I can't tell if it's a hit or miss. When you're drawing it out for everybody there, I think it works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and and just kind of building off that, like, you know, yours is more the secondary, and I, you know, I think there's a case to be made for the defensive line being pretty important. But I have the linebackers because of you know, kind of, again, blending into what you're talking about, because they want to get the ball out so quickly, that tends to negate some of what Notre Dame's defensive line can do. You know, like they can still cause some havoc up front, but with those quick drops, get it out quick, you know, there's there's less time for the defensive line to get home. And, like, if you go back a couple of years, the last time Notre Dame went to to Chapel Hill in 2020, you know, we were hearing about this high-flying offense, and it was a high-flying offense. What Clark Lee and his defenses were always able to do is make you one-dimensional, whatever it happened to be. And that's ultimately, like Carolina started off, had a couple of quick, nice drives, and then the rest of the game, Clark Lee made the adjustment, the defense made the adjustment, they shut him down. Now, we obviously didn't see that last year when North Carolina came to Notre Dame. It was a shootout, 44 to 34 and I have you know severe doubts that that this team is going to completely be able to make Carolina one-dimensional but you have to be able to make them as one-dimensional as possible and that's why I think you know like you're talking about the secondary I you know and again I think the defensive line which was so good last week can be negated to an extent it's part of why I think the linebackers are so important when you're dealing with the team that is not just, again, throwing for 310 per game. They're rushing for 237 a game and converting 56% of their third downs. They're doing that because they're in third and short quite yes. often. And that's why the linebackers have to be able to step up, you know, win those, win those downs on first and second, fill those run lanes correctly, make tackles correctly. And also when there is pressure, on May because he is their second leading rusher. They also have to be able to, you know, they can't let May get out and get downfield <laughs> the way they did a much less mobile quarterback, Jack Plummer, last week. They have to be somebody, they have to be responsible for him and they can't let him run downfield and get away from that pressure the way that Plummer was able to do last week. Yeah, it's funny. You brought up some very good points and uh, I, I when I when I'm watching film, I'm, I'm breaking down a bunch of notes. And the very first note I took is looking to get rid of the ball quick. Good coverage can lead to quarterback runs. And then I put an arrow, which means, therefore, we need a quarterback spy and a quarterback spy is going to be a linebacker. So there needs to be right. a linebacker that is always taking May into account for the reasons that we've just kind of just been talking about. May likes to drop back. He likes to look at his initial reads. If it's not there, he kind of not 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 in sorts panics, but he's just got to work a little bit harder. And at that point, if he's got the pressure on him, he likes to you know evacuate. He likes to vacate, and he's a he's an athletic guy. He's got young legs. He's got a good frame. He can he can be mobile, and that needs to be taken into accountability, especially after you know what we saw last week against Cal, because Plummer picked up a lot of you know kind of third at least off the top of my head two third long runs on third down that got him a fresh set of downs. Um, and that's always the most frustrating because you know, um, you know that you have everything so bottled up and that causes the quarterback just to kind of leak out. And 
I think another important aspect with the linebackers is these run schemes aren't hard like I was talking about, which makes it easier for them because when they see run, they can just shoot their gap. It's essentially going to become gap football when there's no pullers or, you know, every defensive line are going to get in their gap and the linebackers are going to be asked to fill the remaining gaps. So I don't see it being an overly hard challenge run wise for the linebackers this week. I'm more concerned with the linebackers getting out in the pass coverage when they need to, getting underneath uh, some of those shorter routes. But like I said, what makes that easier is when your corners are pressing because the linebackers don't have to worry about being late or being tardy because those corners are pressed up on them and those passing windows are already pretty tight. What what do you think is the balance of zone versus man-to-man versus a, a, a team like this? Well, I think what you would, if I'm Notre Dame, you want to run a lot of man-to-man and not as much zone because these guys are looking to sit into zones or holes in the field. So if you can run more man-to-man and put a body up on, you know, up close and on them, it's going to make May uncomfortable and it's going to make those wide receivers um, uncomfortable. So I really like being in man and going to more of some zone blitz coverages kind of on some longer downs. And when you bring blitz like that and go run some kind of zone coverage, um, naturally you're going to kind of see, you know, the, the zone coverage is going to be helpful on those long downs with blitzes. Um, and I like the the aspect of maybe comboing, you know, one half of the field might play man and the other half might have a safety over top, that kind of situation where you're playing, you know, kind of some cover one robber, that kind of situation where I just think that the best thing to do is mix up looks, but still creating that kind of man to man presence throughout the game, because, May, I just can't reinforce it enough. May wants to get the ball out quick and he wants to get it off to his one of his first kind of reads uh, very quickly. So clog up those passing lanes, get bodies in the way as best as you can. Um, and I think they'll be very beneficial. Um, Irish Shytown had a good question. Which under the radar NC player should we know about? I don't think that they're super like under the radar, but someone who's going to be kind of an X factor. I like their tight end, Kamari Morales. He's got a good frame. He can catch the ball. He's athletic. He had some nice catches in some of the film I watched. Um, and with Downs, sorry, Josh Downs coming back um, and Kobe Paceauer, you know, kind of leading the wide receiver room right now, I think Kamari Morales is someone that you really have to look after because he's got eight receptions, 135 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, he's he's a big body that May likes to throw the ball to. He's kind of the equivalent of Notre Dame's Michael Mayer, obviously not as good as Michael Mayer, um, but it's a nice security blanket that May likes to fall back onto. Yep. Yep. I agree. It's, I mean, he's got a lot of weapons and you know, like you look at the rushing attack, they're averaging six yards per carry as a team. Their worst yards per carry is, you know, like their number four, number five guy, 17 carries. I think it's 75 yards. He's averaging 4.4 per carry, you know? So it's like they're, they, they, they hit it. All over the field. Tyler, by the way, betting on the Jayhawks once again this week, <laughs> taking on Duke. They were minus seven and a half the last I saw. It's a lot, but I understand that uh, Booth Memorial Stadium is going to be sold out in Lawrence this week. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough task for Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that. I think they're going to have to play their best offensive game, but at the same time, they played a really good game against Ohio State. And while this Carolina team is talented, I don't think they're as talented as that Ohio State team. So I have to give them at least a puncher's chance this weekend 
going in there to Chapel Hill to at least be able to limit this Tar Hill offense. The benefit the Tar Heels have is three games of experience with a with a redshirt freshman quarterback, whereas Notre Dame and Ohio State were playing a season opener. So you know, this guy's got a little bit more confidence. They're also coming off a bye week. So, you know, again, it's going to be a big challenge. I, I, I think Notre Dame can at least slow them down. To what extent they can slow them down is going to be the question. And then coupled into that, how much can Notre Dame's offense play a part? You know, how many points is Notre, Drew Pine and the offense going to be able to put on the board? So what is your offensive key? for Notre Dame or like what what are you looking at specifically Notre Dame offensively this weekend uh just just to kind of I wanted to get kind of one more wrap-up comment sure. before we went into offensive play um I I like the way Notre Dame's defense has played so far um you know they only gave up 21 points to a very good Ohio State team um against Marshall and Cal they got put into some tough situations short fields the Drew Pine fumble uh, Marshall they had a short field I can't remember exactly what reason um and they gave up touchdowns off of those. Those are two, you know, touchdowns that they gave up. And I'm going to be frankly honest with you. If Notre Dame's offense doesn't go three and out and sustains their drives um, and, and they don't, you know, they Drew Pine doesn't fumble on his own 35-yard line or throw an interception on his own 40-yard line, I don't see this this defense having in like an overabundance of like issues with slowing down and keeping up with North Carolina. I could see them holding them under 20 points as long as the things I said – Go right. You can't okay. expect your defense to go. Well, you can't expect your defense to go out on the field against this high pace of an offense after you know your own offense is going three and out, three and out, three and out, or turning the ball over. So if the offense can sustain their drives, you know, put together, they don't have to score every drive. They just can't be going three and out and yeah. asking their defense to go out and guard an already very talented, you know, North Carolina offense. So if the things, if the offense can take care of their things, I think the defense will have no issue taking care of. North Carolina. I think the defensive line, especially the interior defensive line, will have a very good game this game. You know, I watched Georgia State manhand two interior linemen and manhandle, you know, the North Carolina offensive line for, you know, at least three quarters. And we, I know that Notre Dame, Howard Cross is better than, you know, those players at Georgia State, for example. And I think that those guys will handle the run game very well and create some passing, you know, some pressure havoc uh, yeah. on, on Drew May. So, I don't, I don't see – I know North Carolina has this very good offense, but I'm just not buying into it yet. I think that Notre Dame's defense can have a lot of success, especially with a young quarterback, put the pressure on the wide receivers, you know, disguise some coverages, and I think it could be a long day for someone like May. Okay. All right. So you're, you're, you're buying in. You're buying into it. So now, give me, <laughs> so now give me something offensively for the Irish. Yeah. So, you know, the number one thing that I kind of saw – um, when, when watching, you know, it, it was hard to, to really gauge. Cause I, I mean, I, when I'm watching film, I like to see the most recent game and it takes a while to get through them. And unfortunately they were playing Georgia state, which is a lot of, you know, Georgia state's <laughs> for, for anyone that doesn't know, Georgia state's quarterback is basically an extension of a running back. They don't, <laughs> they don't run, they don't throw the ball very well. Um, and that, that it was an easy kind of defensive day for North Carolina, as long as they bottled up the run. I really like what Notre Dame did with Audric Estime last week. I like what Notre Dame did last week with Audric Estime in that power run game. It really slowed things down and opened up the offense for Notre Dame. And I think that that's something they need to establish this week 
after watching Georgia State's offensive line work against North Carolina's defensive line. North Carolina's defensive line, not very strong. They have undersized linebackers as well. So imagine an undersized linebacker having to go up against, you know, a very powerful Notre Dame offensive line, a big back in Audric estimate i like notre dame opening this game up establishing that dominance with the run game and then working off of it with their shorter passes their rpos and that way you get the defense off balance because when you're hitting them in the mouth over and over and over again with those power runs then you start you know you flip out a pass to tyree in the flat you you, you flip a pass to Lindsay on a on a slant and then okay that play is over we're gonna you know third quarter we're gonna fake an rpo we're gonna pump fake on a pass on the into the slant and then another guy is going to be maybe open a little bit downfield because they're all biting on that shorter run game RPO that you established early in the game. So I like Notre Dame establishing that powerful dominance again, like they did against Cal and letting the rest of their offense kind of flow or work off of that. Seeing like last week though, they started off with Tyree more in the first half and then they really started you know, by the time that Notre Dame's offensive line had grinded down Cal's front a little bit, that's when they started hitting him, you know, with the bigger back estimate. And, uh, you know, I agree. I've said that I think the running game is going to be the key, and I don't think it necessarily means, you know, like I'm not saying for, you know, like for people who remember back in the 80s, you know, the Cleveland Browns and Ernest Biner and Kevin Mack when you had 2,000-yard rushers for Marty Schottenheimer's Browns. I'm not saying it has to look like that, but a lot of what you were talking about there, I think it just, you know, they need to have a good running game against a bad front seven, which is yes. what North Carolina is. Is a very bad and weak, their weak front yes. seven. Yes, and allowing 193 yards a game. Notre Dame's still only averaging about 3.3 yards per carry. Like, I need to see... You know, this doesn't necessarily have to be a 250 to 300 yard rushing game and play keep away from, you know, North Carolina the way they tried to do against Ohio State. But I need to see a team that's running for, you know, again, against a bad run defense that's allowing 193 yards per game. I need to see a, a Notre Dame team run the ball for up around five yards per carry, which is very respectful, you know, between four and a half and five yards carry because if you're doing that you're giving yourself a lot better situations you know just like what we were talking about with North Carolina you're giving yourself a lot better third down situations and you're not going to be talking about a lot of three and outs and then as you said it sets everything up for Drew Pine to be able to have some success you know whether it's play actions or RPOs or whatever it happens to be the passing game there's so much that can come off of that if they're able to effectively run the ball the only real caveat that I would have is I still don't want to see a bunch of 12 personnel out there. <laughs> I want to see 11 personnel and some 21 personnel like they did last week with, with Tyree and Estime. And that was something that Marcus Freeman was, was talking about today, how when they have 21 personnel out there, and especially when it's Tyree and Estime, the yeah. things that they can do to set like Tyree up, you know, be just where they put him formationally whether it's in the slot or in the backfield and you know they can put estimate out there as well I would much rather see that than throwing another tight end out there who's not a good blocker oh and then I I, I forgot Kevin Bauman apparently was dinged up a little bit in practice this week so it's not even real certain what his status for Friday is going to be I should have mentioned that off the top but Bauman 
was banged up a little bit. So I just I don't want to see a bunch of 12 personnel because I don't think that's their effective personnel package. I would rather see one tight end or two running backs out there. What do you think? Yeah, I really think that the 21 package with Mayer, Diggs, or sorry, Tyree, and uh, Estime is going to be a very successful pack. Like that's having Mayer on the field with the combination of someone like, you know, Chris Tyree uh, and, and Audric Estime is, is very good. And a, a big point of it is because of what Irish Shytown brought up is you can bring in Estime to block uh, and, and still use him as a 12 personnel, essentially with, you know, a, a, a big back that can provide some blocking relief. And then at yeah. the same time, you can still flare both of those backs out at the same time. You can have Mayer running in combination with them. And to me, that's a nightmare matchup when it comes to uh, a defense that's kind of undersized. And you brought up some other good points um, with, with, you know, wanting to establish the run game. Uh, I really like Notre Dame last week, the way that they seem to kind of get into a rhythm of running on first down and setting up those second and six second and five, which is very crucial for Pine because then it's just, you know, you flip out a quick pass and now we're looking at third and one, third and two, and you can go back and lean on, you know, your your power run game with Estimate again to pick up, you know, your power, your offensive line and, and Estimate to pick up that one yard. And if, you know, if this offensive line and Estimate can't pick up one yard, then that's going to be a big problem. But I don't think that that's going to be an issue uh, that they're going to face. So I like running the ball early in the downs, getting yards, you know, utilizing that mismatch in size and then then kind of going into your kind of passing playbook as needed on second down and maybe into, you know, the third and long situations. Well, and then going back to some of the stuff that you were diagramming offensively for Notre Dame a couple of days ago with some of the short routes that they used and some of the motion and things like that, using, you know, going off what Drew Pine was doing last week because this wasn't a vertical offense, being able to use, you know, both play action and those short routes that they showed last week, you know, you add like a double move or, you know, pump, whatever it happens. Yeah, like those be. passes that are going out into the flats, you hit a fake and have them, you know, run up the sideline on like right. a, an out and up or, you know, a sluggo, whatever you want to call it. And those are going to be start to get open because teams are going to bite on those short little plays and you just pump it one time and, you know, it, someone's going to get open and running running tight ends down the seams, I can't talk about it enough, especially when you have Tyree on the field and you're flaring him out to one side and you run, you know, Mayer up the seam on another. It's a pick your poison at that point. You know, you could start faking out to that side and then, you know, coming back, looking the safety over and then really utilizing that Mayer seam route. So I like the, the I, I think Notre Dame operates its best when Tyree and Mayer are on the field at the same time. And Estime is going in the power run game. I think that that is going to be their best formula for success this season. Yeah. And to Derek's, he said, let's go 14 personnel. Show everyone we're tight end you. And, you know, I I assume he's at least somewhat, you know, serious about this. He may, you know, maybe exaggerating with the, the fourth tight end. But if Notre Dame actually had the tight ends who were power blockers right now, I would get behind that. But they don't right now. That's the problem. They're their their tight ends have not been the best blockers and that's what's frustrating to me and we've talked about this before is seeing these extra tight ends go out there on the field and they're you know like at the end of the game the other day when they were throwing 13 personnel so they've got three tight ends on the field where they're bringing extra defenders into the box and then they're getting one yard per carry with Audric Estime after he's been getting you know four and a half yards per carry 
right. when they were going in 11 personnel prior to yeah, that. That's 12, point. 13, 14 just screams, bring everyone into the box. And that's right. not the kind of game that Notre Dame needs to get into. Not right now. Yeah, not right now at all. All right, anything else on the, the Tar Heel matchup before we move on? I, again, I know I kind of talked about it briefly, but I really like Notre Dame picking on these linebackers at the second level. I already know that the offensive line is going to get the push that they need. Uh, secondary, you know, it's not it's not elite. It's not bad. It's, you know, pretty average against what's going against kind of, to be honest, the average to below average passing game right now for Notre Dame. So I think that more so they need to worry about establishing the run the power run game and then manipulating those undersized linebackers with the short over the middle kind of you know out routes where they're forcing these linebackers to play you know coverage on wide receivers tight ends whatever it might be you need to get those guys uh open in space around these linebackers because they're undersized that you know that they, they might be able to you know, run with some, yes, they might be able to run with Tyree a little bit better, but they're not going to, they're not going to be able to keep up with a guy like Michael Mayer. I think getting him over the middle of the field, getting, you know, matchups with these linebackers at that intermediate kind of second level is really what's going to be the game plan. And to me, that works really well for Notre Dame because Drew Pine isn't going to be the guy to throw deep downfield passes. They're going to want to run the ball and, you know, work off of those with some kind of short passes and maybe intermediate 10, 15 yard passes. You're not going to see Drew Pine throw the ball over 20 yards very often. I think the combination of North Carolina's weak defensive line and undersized linebackers is a very good matchup that they can take advantage of. Yes. Uh, Albert said, sorry, came in late. Did you already talk about keeping Drake May from slicing up (laughs) our secondary? Yes, Albert. Yes. We are going to press with our corners, (laughs) clog throwing lanes, and make May come off of his first read. There you go. There you go. That's what it's all about. All right, Jess. Great breakdown tonight. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us tonight. Don't forget to hit that like button, rate, review, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. We'll talk to you Saturday morning, and uh, on this show, we'll talk to you next week. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Go Irish. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.